Hi everyone, happy new year and welcome back to First Perspectives Career Insight Series. It's been a while since the last episode, but um, we're back with a new one and we're focusing actually on the private equity industry. This has been asked for quite a lot and I'm quite happy to bring this to you. And I'm even happy to invite um, Toby onto the show, um, a very good close friend of mine I've known for a while. Um, so hi Toby, thanks for coming on today. All right, thank you for having me. Thank you, no worries. Um, I guess all to kick things off, you sort of like introduce yourself about what you studied, where you went to, and I guess we'll go from there. Perfect. Sounds like a good place to start. Um, hi, everyone, and, and thank you for tuning in and listening to this. Um, so as Femi said, my name's Toby. Um, I'm currently working in the private IT industry. Um, if I give a bit about my background, I went to the University of Warwick uh, and I studied engineering and business management. Um, you know, I think I, I went into Warwick going into engineering and uh, I found out quite quickly that I wasn't as passionate about modeling bridges as <laughs> the other guys in there. Um, and I, I was thinking about what sort of industries, especially going to these universities, they kind of shove, you have these career fairs and they throw a consulting in your face, banking in your face <laughs> and all these industries, you think they're the only thing in the world. But um, I did find it interesting. So um, I decided to look into going into finance um, and specifically went into investment banking. Um, I did a summer internship at Goldman after getting rejected from uh, numerous places and somehow managed to uh, land this. And then uh, from doing the summer internship, I ended up with a full-time role. Um, yeah. In terms of the role that I did was at Goldman, so I was a credit analyst, I was in the leverage finance team. Um, I'm sure you've got uh, many people are aware of what uh, sort of investment banking is and leverage finance, but ultimately it was just um, originating uh, loans and debt financing to support private equity companies to um, by um, other companies and we would provide the debt for that. So it was quite a good segue into private equity and gave me my first initial exposure to it. Um, I, perfect, sorry, just sort of cut in there. So you obviously mentioned you studied engineering business. I actually didn't know that. So actually it's actually quite interesting. Yeah. I, I kind of like when people who study um, different subjects to what you sort of say are traditional banking subjects. So I guess maybe to sort of like just cut in there, what, um, how do you sort of like tailor your CV or say, how do you sort of pivot or um, market your skills, your diverse skill set um, to banking? Because I guess it'd be quite different in terms of like what you studied and what you're doing right now. Right now. Exactly, that's exactly right. It's in terms of direct transferability. I mean, I wasn't looking at accounting and finance and I wasn't doing all those modules at university. Um, but the one thing you'll see a lot of banks saying and a lot of other finance firms um, is that you don't typically, or you don't have to do a finance degree to go into a finance job. Um, when you think about the key skills that are actually required to do a finance job, you've got to be analytical. Um, you've got to be willing to learn. So you've got to be willing to you know, pick up new concepts that you might have not originally known and been able, be able to actually pick them up quite quickly. Um, you know, you've got to have attention to detail and you've got to be hardworking. And while you know, many degrees, engineering being one of them, um, you know, might not be directly exactly what I was studying. Those skills that I mentioned there were definitely things that um, you picked up in, in, in that sort of degree um, that, that allowed it, you know, allowed me to go into a job like that for them to feel comfortable that, that I could do the role. Um, you know, you even look at something like history, for example, there's a lot of the history grads that were there at uh, Goldman when I was there as well. When you think about the skills that you pick up there, um, you know, being able to take in a lot of information and consume a lot of information and be able to summarize it and make it succinct um, is, you know, what history guys are really good at. And it's also a key skill that's needed in finance. So, um, you know, what I say to a lot of students is um, there will be a bit of work that you have to do, i.e. you have to understand the basics of finance. You have to understand, you know, very high level, um, you know, what, what a business is, how a business, what drives a business, 
um, you know, and what, what are the key sort of um, things you look at uh, analyzing a business. And once again, it depends on what you go into. So if you go into sales and trading, there's going to be less about corporate finance. So, you know, maybe even engineering might be better suited for that because it's simply just about proficiency of numbers. Um, but, but depending on what you go into, I think um, a lot of things in finance you can learn. A lot of the concepts and a lot of the topics that, you know, you will pick it up over time. But I think the core skills that they look for are things which are, you know, various different degrees prepare you for. Um, so, so I wouldn't say I'd let that um, scare you away or I'll shy you away from that. Thank you. I, I feel perfect. Um, honestly, that sort of your background and where you are now is actually quite a good um, charity promotion towards the industry and how it's sort of changing compared to what's in the past. So that's actually quite good. And I guess obviously just sort of like getting to like the meat, the meat part of our conversation is private equity. So obviously you said you did pivot from credit um, or leverage finance into private equity. Before I sort of ask you about how you pivoted, I think we could explain what private equity is because me, myself included, I feel like sometimes it's like a mystery and a mystique around, like an enigma around private equity. Like, kind of think you know what it is, but it isn't what you actually think you know what it is. So, to be sort of like, just demystify it for us and sort of explain what actually private equity is. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's one of those that if you haven't had exposure to it, you kind of hear the name, um, but you might not necessarily know exactly what it is. And, it, and it's quite simple in the sense that the name kind of says what it is, it's private equity. So as you would have people that are able to invest in publicly listed companies, um, you know, that being public equity, um, being able to invest in, in, in you know, listed tradable uh, equity securities on, on, on the stock market, private equity is, is kind of saying that you're investing in a private company. Typically a company that's private versus public will be uh, a function of stage. It might be earlier stage. Um, so my shop specifically looks at the lower middle market. And, and what I mean by middle market is typically uh, smaller companies with EBITDA, which is just a metric for profitability, um, of between five to five to 50 million. Whereas you'd have public companies that would be a lot larger. Uh, and once they get to that stage, they'll list. So private equity is dealing with the earlier stage companies where you invest in them um, when they're not publicly traded. Uh, in terms of private equity itself, it's kind of split into... Um, I'd say three broad categories. Uh, and if I'm allowed to include venture capital into private equity, because it, it more has to do with stage. Um, but the larger private equity firms such as KKR, Blackstone, um, Apollo that you hear about, they mainly execute what people like to call buyouts, which is simply just a company which they believe um, has long-term profitability um, potential. Um, you know, it's operating in an industry that they think is going to grow uh, and they have, you know, a compelling thesis about the company and how well it's going to do. Um, what they typically tend to do is they then go to management and they buy them out completely. So basically they, you know, acquire all the equity of the company, which then gives them control. What they then do is they try and make the company more profitable. How, how they may do that is if I take it simply, they might try and increase the top line of the company. So maybe they might do an acquisition of another similar company to kind of grow the business over time as a business scales and it increases economies of scale and the company gets more profitable. Or what they might do is they might try and streamline the company. So, you know, if you look at, let's say, like a family owned business that's been running for ages and they're really they're doing really well. They've got a product that people like, um, but maybe they're not able to take it to that next level. Um, what a private company do is they'll take it over and then they might make it more efficient. So they might, you know, reduce the management layers or they might, you know, offshore some of the operations that were initially inland to offland. And basically, you're just trying to look for levers to make a business which is already established and running well, even better. 
with the hope to hopefully sell it off in future and make an exit. Um, and that exit could be, you know, you selling it to another private equity firm, um, listing it on the public market, or getting bought out by what people like to call strategic buyers, which is, um, let's say, if you had a tech company, Amazon might buy you. I see, perfect. So obviously, you've, I thought personally, you've quite well, you've actually demystified it towards me. I sort of understand how it works now. But sort of as a day-to-day role as an analyst within equity, you sort of give us like a, a broad overview of what you do on a day-to-day basis. Or maybe you might not even be like a similar um, date. It might vary quite a lot. But yeah, sort of just give us a, a little bit of an insight into that. Sure, sure. Like, like with everything in finance, um, and everyone loves to say how exciting their job is and everyone likes to talk about each day, no day is the same. And, and you know, there is, there is some truth to that. Um, but there are some consistent things that you'd have to do. Um, I, I think what might be helpful is um, typically people that go into private equity um, tend to, you know, come from banking backgrounds. Um, so let's take M&A, for example, um, where M&A simply are the people who pitch businesses to private equity companies. They say, I think this would be a great company for you to acquire. Um, so the analysis a lot of the time tends to be quite similar to that that an M&A analyst might do, or maybe even a leveraged finance analyst might do, um, which is typically you know, the financial analysis, especially in early stage. I'm an associate at the moment, which is um, you know, three years in or so. You can either be an analyst or associate, and you're simply doing the financial analysis mainly for, for companies. So looking through their financials, projecting uh, their cash flows and modeling their cash flows out to the future, um, you know, thinking about ways that you could pull the levers to make a company more profitable, as I mentioned. Um, and you're really the key driver for making sure that the analytical side is there and that people understand the business. And, you know, you do, you do as they like to say, in um, <laughs> arranging logos and things like that. But there, there is some base level work of presentations and, and memos that you have to put together to present why you think it is a good business. So, so that's the main thing. If I were to say, it depends on the shop that you go to. And when I say shop, I just mean private firm. Um, the larger firms typically are a lot more uh, like banking institutions where as an analyst or an associate, you do specifically that role that I just mentioned there. And that's your main job. And, and typically what might happen in a private firm is a banker may come to you and they'll pitch your business and they'll say, this is a good business. And a lot of the work that you'll be doing is screening. You're just screening investments. You're thinking about, what is my company's investment thesis? What do we look for? So are there any industries that we avoid completely? Um, so, you know, I wouldn't imagine many private firms are jumping into consumer retail and physical retail at the moment, um, given the fact you can't go to restaurants and you can't go to these places. So, so you'll look at that and you'll kind of assess that against your firm's investment thesis and decide whether it's a good deal or not. That's basic. And then if you tend to go to a smaller private equity firm, you might have a bit more responsibility. So mine is a lot smaller than the, than the KKRs and, and the like. Uh, mine's a 30-man firm. Um, and you might spend a lot more time speaking to advisors. So a lot of the time when we want to invest in a business, we want to know about the industry. Well, if you're not an expert on the industry, you typically will speak to a consultant who will tell you where you know, this company is positioned in the industry, um, what's the industry growth looking like. So you'll spend a lot of time speaking to external advisors. You'll be speaking to lawyers and, and you might have to coordinate the deal process a lot more. I see. Last thing I'd say is um, a key thing um, as a junior in a private equity firm is the committee process, um, which basically involves, um, as I said, preparing the presentation but taking it through your internal processes as to why you think this is a good deal. Um, so you'll typically get all the senior people on a call and you'll talk about business and you'll say, this is the opportunity. This is the price I think we should buy it at or the price range. And this is why I think we can make X percent returns on, on this business when we sell it in future. 
Perfect. Thank you for that. I think that's actually quite a thorough inbred, actually, um, explanation of the industry, actually. And I guess sort of when we just link to that, because obviously I can tell you've got a passion for this industry. And it's sort of linked to my next question, which is sort of like, um, for you personally, what made you choose private equity, especially because you were within, uh, I guess, can you call every finance investment banking? That like basically is investment. It's investment banking, but it's capital markets in some firms. So it's, yeah, it's, it's not classic m yeah. Okay, perfect. But um, sort of like, what made you want to pivot from that industry into private equity? And also what sort of drew you towards that industry in itself? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd say um, M&A and leverage finance, um, a lot of their clients tend to be private equity companies, right? A lot of the people doing the A in, in M&A, the acquisitions in, in, in um, M&A are, are private equity firms. They've got um, tons of dry powder, as people like to call it, which is basically just the capital which people have allocated to private equity firms for them to invest and buy businesses. And that's been growing exponentially. Um, so more times you'll start seeing M&A division, leverage finance divisions, working with private equity firms to um, do these acquisition financings and these acquisition transactions. And I got my exposure through that, that a lot of my transactions were simply based, I used to cover the technology, media and telecoms industry. Um, and a lot of my deals that I worked on were private equity backed. So I just got exposure to it and I really found it quite interesting. As I said, a lot of the work that you do as a junior in an investment bank is similar to a private equity company. So it's not necessarily about the nature of the technical work that I was doing that made me want to change, but more holistically, what you as a person would look for. So M&A and, and banking, investment banking, let me just stick it with that broad brush, is very transactional. You know, you work on three or four transactions a month. Um, you'll do the deal, you'll do all the analysis, um, you'll, you'll push the process along and you'll get the deal done. And after the deal is done, investment banks, they collect their fees. And then, you know, because they're not investing in the company, they don't see it again. All right. Um, or you may see it again for a follow on deal, but basically you're a facilitator. You're facilitating the deal and that's it done. And while I thought it was a very good base for me to get those fundamental technical skills, I wanted something a bit more long term. Yeah. And the thing with private equity is you invest in a business on day one, you do all the same analysis, but actually you're executing on the strategy that you said you would. The reason why you said this was a good deal is because you actually believed it. And once you've invested in the company, you then follow them over their journey and over their life um, to actually see the, the sort of business play out and, and the things that you said you would do to make the company more profitable, you actually get to action on it. And I found that a lot more interesting. I see. And you always mentioned that, I guess, the, the key difference is that you actually have a vested interest in the company you invested in compared to exactly. banking. So, um, I know you've you're, you're quite recent towards quite recent in this industry, but do you sort of know what happens when, when investments go wrong? So, sort of like what is sort of like the framework to sort of like analyzing your investments and usually when they go wrong, what actually happens? I'm quite interested to see like a lot of money goes into investing into companies, and then also when it goes wrong, things go pear shaped. So, like, what sort of happens in that sort of um, situation? Right, right, and I, I think that's kind of you know attached to the point that i was saying about banking versus investment bank um against private equity is you know investment banking as an industry is a sales industry it sells right so you put out the business and you put out the best case scenario possible because you're not going to say oh well i think this company is pretty mediocre and you know they could do well and they might not do well just chuck a load of money and they might do okay let's see what happens um they don't do that they present the best case scenario and i think you know when things go wrong i'll first i'll start off with mitigating that which is that's what you think about before you invest so more so than um banking and not say they don't do it but because you're owning the risk in private equity the focus is very much more on the downside in the sense what could happen if this goes badly and can the outcome still be okay and something that i am happy to live with um you know the worst case scenario 
especially in private equity, is the typical business model for private equity is what you do is you buy a company, but you put a lot of debt on the company as well. And the reason being, just purely from a mathematical standpoint, is the less equity you have to put in, if the company grows over time and pays down the debt, the return you make on that equity is a lot greater than had you put less debt in and more equity. Um, so typically they are risky transactions because there is a lot of debt. Um, so, so you want to be very, very focused on the downside and, and, and you will run various different scenarios and, and that will be in your thought process before you invest. Um, so, so I'd like to think that if you do invest, you have thought about the downside and hopefully it doesn't end up in a situation um, that, 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 you know, you weren't expecting. And also, you know, when you're thinking about risks, you would adjust that in your price. You must hear the term risk adjusted return all the time. There is actually, and, and don't quote me on this, but the, I, I wouldn't say there's such thing as a really, really bad deal. There's just really, really bad prices. If you've got a deal that you think is really uh, complex and really will require, it's quite complex and will require a lot to make it good, then you pay a lower price and you will adjust that in your risk. Okay. If we were to get onto what ha actually happens when things do go wrong, and I think a lot of firms, depending on how you were positioned before you went into um, you know, crisis and the coronavirus and, and the real restriction and demand, um, you know, I, I think it will depend. But typically when, when things go wrong, um, it will typically be because maybe you didn't have enough cash flow to repay your debt. What happens then is that the bankers get back involved and the lenders get back involved and they want their money back. And when they want their money back, they now take control. So what happens is I'm sure you guys are aware of, if you borrow money, if you don't pay them back, they take control of your company. They take control of your company, your returns, you don't own the equity anymore. Your returns are, are ultimately zero. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, in private equity, I think one of the things you probably really really want to avoid is you want to you know avoid a situation where um a company does actually default because because you lose control if recovery on your loan is higher than the than debt you will might get a bit of money out but you know it, it, it does get pretty messy after that so as i said the key thing is mitigation from the beginning and really really scrutinizing a business okay well quick question so has there actually ever been an example of a company who have unfortunately went pear-shaped and they've had to default yeah, not specifically that I've seen at my firm or within my experience, you know, there have been some really high profile um, deals, which, you know, have probably given the private industry not as great of a name as, you know, the industry actually is and represents and what it represents. Um, I'd take, you know, Toys R Us, for example. Um, Toys R Us was a really high profile deal. Um, I believe it was KKR bought them in, and they did stick a lot of leverage on the business. Um, and, and what happened there was that there was just a sizing shift between how people started purchasing toys and consumer goods. And, and it's very hard to foresee that change happening. But with the increase in digital, etc., they just got caught flat footed. And that ended up being a really big high profile default because Toys R Us was one of the largest retailers of toys out there, uh, which led to, you know, a lot of redundancies, um, a lot of people getting fired. And obviously, when that is involved and people's jobs are involved, it does make headlines. So I'd say that's one of the big ones. Um, another one that people tend to think about a lot, and I've mentioned KKR, and I promise I'm not dubbing them in this. I think <laughs> the fantastic business and the, the originators of private equity. Um, but, you know, another example would be uh, RJR Nabisco, which was one of the most famous deals I've done. I think it was in the 80s, um, which was, um, you know, another company that was, you know, levied quite high. The price was really, really high. And the deal didn't go as well. Once again, it was very high profile. Um, so, the, so those are a few examples of, of, of deals that have gone slightly south 
uh, in the industry, but there are a few more more recent ones as well. Wow, that's actually interesting. Yeah, I guess it might be difficult times, but I guess sort of moving on to the next part of our conversation, probably be more like the application of a recruitment um, side to private equity. So obviously, um, I know very few firms have graduate schemes for private equity. I feel like I know one is MJ Hudson. I know Blackstone do one. And maybe like one or two more, but it's not really uh, a route from going straight out of uni into private equity. So what sort of characters do private equity firms look for when it comes to hiring? And sort of what is the actual process of, of actually getting into the industry, shall I say? Yeah, definitely. You're exactly right. There, there's not uh, that many graduate roles. You mentioned some of the bigger names. They are the sort of people that can, uh, and it's not typical, but they can offer uh, graduate roles um, to get into the industry. Um, I, I'd say typically in private equity, you have to be able to hit the ground running. Um, in the private equity industry, especially because it's smaller, as we touched upon earlier, you have more responsibility as a junior. So mistakes, you have to own them. The people above you are expecting you not to make mistakes. They're expecting you to do the analytical work and the responsibility is a lot greater than a bank where you have you know, many more layers above you. You have your associate, you have your VP, you have your MD, loads of different people looking at it. In private equity, you know, the layers are a lot less. So mistakes have to be you know, brought down to a minimum and they have to be able to trust you. And that's typically why the picking ground for private equity tends to be uh, analysts from investment banking. Because as I said earlier, the um, roles are quite similar. The type of analysis you do at junior level is quite similar. Um, and they kind of see investment banks as training grounds for people who then go into private equity and can hit the ground running. Um, and that's the main reason as to why they don't offer graduate roles. Um, because, you know, things can get busy and I don't think they have the resources as much to train people, um, you know, especially because so many deals are coming. They just need someone that can be able to pick it up and look at it and start running straight away. Um, and that's typically, and not just investment banking is a training ground. There's also um, from deals advisory in, um, in big four companies. Um, a lot of big four companies do, um, you know, the commercial due diligence that I mentioned earlier that private equity firms need when they're doing the investment, they get commercial due diligence. So that gives you some transferable skills as well, um, as well as consulting. Because private equity, I'd say the big focus is not just on the financials and the numbers, but the business itself the business model, the industry, how compelling do we think this is? And I think consultants also develop really good skills for that as well. So um, just to clarify, you know, people think investment banks um, and M&A specifically are the main, uh, you know, breeding ground for private equity professionals. But actually, there are a lot of different entry routes that are comparable. I'd just say M&A is probably the most common. Um, in terms of the process itself, um, so typically it changes from firm to firm. Um, but typically what would happen is um, you would have an initial interview. You typically have three interviews. Um, the initial one being a sort of just general uh, motivations, why you want to do this, um, and a kind of semi-technical um, interview just for people to understand your sort of um, commercial awareness, how you think about businesses, how you approach problems, how you think about investing. And I think we'll go into it in a bit. But I'd say you mentioned the characters that go into private equity over banking. I think the biggest step from banking to private equity is you have to think. And, and, and not in the sense that you have to not think as in banking. Of course you do. In private equity, you have to think about all different eventualities. Once again, you're not selling a business. You're thinking about all the different things that could go wrong. And they want people who are thoughtful about things. You know, to be in banking, you have to be extremely intelligent, extremely hardworking. Um, and in private equity, you know, that helps, but it's not enough. You need to be able to be thoughtful. You need to be thinking about all the different scenarios. And I think that's the main thing. So I think... That's what they try and see in that initial behavioural um, motivations interview. I see. 
and I guess that's kind of actually quite a perfect point you touched on right there. Because sort of like leads on to my next question. And basically touched on it was sort of like the skill set needed. So obviously you did mention that MLA Professor Baggin have similar skill sets, like the base skill sets. But obviously you mentioned that you need that intellectual curiosity as well on top of that. So what other ideal skills on top of like the basic analytical skills do you think are needed to sort of thrive within the private equity industry? Yeah, definitely. I, as I said, I think, I think it ultimately comes down to the fact that you have to have an opinion. Um, you, you've got to be able to form a view. You know, you can go into the financials of a company, do a model and you can plug the numbers out. If you are um, familiar with financial statements, if you're familiar with analyzing businesses, you know, you get very good at that. But it's not just about the data. It's like, what is this telling me? What is this telling me? This is, this is what has come out. Um, these are the different scenarios. These are the returns we can make on a business. Um, you know, based on this specific case happening, what people like to call base case. This is our base case of what we believe we think the company will do. Um, you know, but what if this happens? And what if the market changes? And you have to be able to have an opinion and a view on that. I'd say that is the main difference. Um, you know, as I said, the skills are very, very transferable. And then it's about that next step of, I know how to do the analysis. Now, what does this mean? Um, and, 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 and what does this mean if this goes wrong? What does this mean if this goes really right? Um, I, I think another skill that I think people in priority you have to kind of have is you've got to be a bit of a, let me not say an all rounder, but you've got to be able to, um, you know, jump into a deal and be able to understand all the different processes that are going on, um, what different things might affect outcomes. And also one thing that I learned from priority quite early is a, it's a bit of a hustler's game. It's a bit of a hustler's game. It's, it's deal making, you know, it's not, in this sort of institutional structure where, you know, we are just doing these numbers and we're getting the deals done. It is, you know, you have to know people. How do I get access to the best deal flow? I, do I, have I got a good relationship with my banker? Is my M&A banker going to show me good deals? Or, you know, if I go to PwC or, or people like that, and are they going to, you know, do I have good relationships there that might give me entry into these deals? Because a lot of time you might hear the phrase in private equity, a lot of money chasing few deals um, because there's just so much capital in private equity. Not every deal is going to be amazing, right? So people are looking for those high quality deals. And one of the skills you have to develop over time, the more you get more senior is getting access to that high quality deal flow. And I think that sort of person that can get access and can have those interpersonal skills on top of the analyticals, um, you know, will make, will make someone quite good in, in a role at such private equity. Okay, that's good. That's actually perfect. I guess maybe sort of like some of you said, you need that 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 hustle mentality. Sort of like yeah. being able to go out there, just work on the spot. I guess that fluidity towards you. So actually, that's actually quite. I think actually quite interesting because I guess it sort of shows like the difference in the industry compared to like banking or investment management, where you sort of have like when you're an investment analyst, you sort of just crunch the numbers. What's mm. the ratio looking like? It's a good deal. Or is investment banking? You sort of like do the financial with solar company. But I guess you said it before, and I thought to reiterate your point is that that holistic approach, you're, you're actually analyzing a company, you're investing and going forward towards the end of that sort of um, deal cycle and the whole flow of it. I guess that's just really interesting. Um, sort of moving on now, actually not really moving on, but still part of the recruitment process. Um, so I want to sort of touch on like diversity. So um, obviously, the banking industry in general is improving, I would say, but obviously it's a long way to go into the diversity in the industry. And I guess comparities, even like, or not numbers wise for headcount, smaller than banking, I guess there'll be a lot less diversity in the industry in itself. So, um, how do you find the diverse, diversity in the nature of the industry? And do you feel like um, there's a lot more um, room to grow? And also, what can you, what do you think certain, or what do you think private equity firms in general can do to sort of 
attract more talent or diversity of talent towards the industry. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and as you touched upon it, it's a bit more systemic in the sense that I don't think private equity firms are like, we don't, we only want a certain specific type of person. But as I mentioned, um, private equity is a funnel industry. So you go in from different, um, other different career paths. And, and what we're seeing is that those other different career paths weren't very diverse initially. And there's going to be a little bit of a time lag as they become more diverse and you take people from various different backgrounds, you know, um, sort of upbringing, race, um, gender, and also degree, right? The, all these different things that uh, firms are opening themselves up to more. Um, there's going to be a bit of a time lag. But hopefully, if you see in the industry such as banking and investment management and, and accountancy, as those become more diverse, I'd like to think and I'd like to hope that private equity as a funnel industry and an industry that you come from those backgrounds will start to see an increase in diversity as well. Um, as you said, smaller industries, so typically from, from a diversity standpoint, um, you, know, you don't see as many diverse backgrounds. Um, and, and I think it's definitely getting better. You'll see a lot of... Um, sort of private equity firms signed up to schemes such as 100 black interns and, and things like that and i think it's a really big focus so i i'd say definitely there's going to be a bit of a time lag that comes as a result of um the changing in the in the in the industries that actually feed into it in the input industries but i do think there's, there's a big focus on that could it be better of course it could of course it could and i think as people are becoming more aware of the industry itself i think private equity is an industry because it's only just becoming demystified um, you know, many people didn't know about it anyway. Many people didn't even know about the route into it anyway. So as private is becoming more demystified and, you know, with podcasts like this, people are going to get more of an idea of the industry and see whether they like it. Um, and, and, and I would really, really hope, and I really hope to see um, a more diverse industry um, going for, a more diverse industry going forward. And, and I'd say there are, and my time in private has been limited, so I can't say I'm an ex expert. Um, but, you know, there's studies that have shown that more diverse companies tend to typically do better. Yes. And, and I, you know, I don't know the stats specifically of finance versus operating companies, but I think in actual underlying businesses, product creating businesses, I think diversity of thought, diversity of um, race, diversity of gender actually makes a huge difference in actual consumer businesses and businesses that face customers, right? Because if you represent your population better, you'll create a better product. And that actually impacts private equity a lot more because they're investing directly in these businesses. So if you make a more um, diverse, uh, more diverse industry and underlying what they like to call portfolio companies, which are the companies that the private firm invests in, then they are going to do better anyway. And if your portfolio companies become more diverse, then you're going to need more diverse investors as well to be able to address those different demands. So I think you'll see that the different industries that touch upon private equity as they become more diverse, private equity, it would be smart if it followed as well and if it followed that sort of diversity. So that's the hope. In terms of what they can do, I, th I think it's just demystifying is really helpful because if, if someone doesn't know anything about an industry and they only see a certain type of background, they get scared. People get scared in instantly if they don't have information about something. I think as you start opening up more information, start talking about the skills that are actually required, some people are like, well, actually, I think I can do that. And it's not just because I didn't work for M&A and I don't, I'm not from a specific background, like a private school or, or something like that, that I can't get in. And um, I, th I think we should see some, some positive uh, tailwinds for diversity in, in private equity going forward. Yeah. I touched on it earlier in your comment in your speech, and obviously that's 100 Black Interns, and I'm really happy about that actually program, because I feel like, always you hear a lot of, I want to say lips, we hear a lot of talk about diversity this is well i guess one of the few occasions where you see the actual action and like they said we'll give you a promise to you 100 
enter for black uh, background every year. That's affirmative action that you actually seen. And also from doing that, you mentioned the timeline, you're actually now creating the people who have the skill sets. So you're saying seven to eight years' time, go into private equity after. Exactly. Again, exactly. is that part of what you're saying? You're completely right. That timeline, but having the people there who, in a decade's time, will be saying, okay, there's more people like you in that industry. So you made a really good point there. That. No, um, that, that's exactly it, actually, because that touches upon something that we mentioned earlier that we're saying about private equity. Typically, um, there's no direct route, at least for grads initially. I think the great thing about internships like that is that it gives people on the job experience and skills of what's actually required in the industry. And actually, as a result of this, not only are we going to see increased diversity, we're going to see it at a younger age as well. We're going to see more young people um, from diverse black backgrounds. You look at this 100 black interns, you'll see more black people at a younger age in private equity. And that's how it gets built up. And then that's how it goes upwards. Key things also retention as well. And I think, you know, when people actually get those direct skills, internships that haven't been available before now, then there's going to be a lot more firms willing to actually full-time hire because they've seen what that person has been able to do on the job. Access is, is the key thing. And I think that's providing access and it's really um, going to be helpful for the industry. Um, investment management broadly as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the outcomes of it. Yeah, definitely. And, and I guess sort of like coming towards the end of our conversation, I do have a few more questions for you. I guess obviously... You mentioned that it obviously yeah, it helped demystify it, but obviously there's still a lot within the industry that people don't actually know about. So obviously for you, and I guess people listening to this want to get into the industry, what sort of resources would you sort of advise them to sort of read or look at to sort of um, increase the understanding of the industry and sort of like upskill themselves to be ready for, in, for the industry? Definitely, definitely. I'd say the first thing that uh, I'd say from a content perspective um, is privately, you know, it's, it's, a business, it's, it's a business about deals. You do deals and you look at companies. Right. So you've got to be really interested in companies and you've got to be really interested in what makes a company grow and what drives a company. Um, so that's a lot of the content that you want to be consuming. So, you know, one key resource that I actually use now is called Axios, um, which basically has a pro rata. I think the, the actual one, if you want to look for it, is called pro rata. And that's the um, I, I guess I don't know the word for it, but specifically on that publication, they focus on big deals that have happened, M&A deals that have happened, um, private equity deals that have happened and uh, venture capital deals that have happened. Um, and they talk about, you know, they got a main fee called the big deal, BFD. Um, and I can't really say the F, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and they speak about deals and why, and why they were good. So I'd say in terms of the consumer content, I think that's really good just to get an understanding of the deals that have been going on and what's been going on in the industry. And then, you know, other resources, resources such as Private Equity International uh, and places that just are talking about deals and talking about companies and good things. I'd say. In terms of actual preparation for um, um, actual interviews and, and, and processes, um, there's becoming more and more content on private equity online. Um, so, you know, places like Street of Walls or, yeah, Street of Walls, I think, is one. Um, mergers and Inquisitions, which is typically focused on sort of investment banking, but they do have uh, a private equity um, resource as well, um, where they talk you through deals. What is private equity? What is a leverage buyout? Um, you know, what, what do companies, what do private companies look for in, in, in businesses? Um, and those are really good resources. And also how to do a paper LBO. Um, I, I think I was going to come onto it into my thing about the, um, the application process. But after that uh, introductory and sort of basic technical interview, you then typically have a modeling test as well, um, whereby they'll give you a company, they'll give you a spec. They'll say, this is what the company is. This is what I expect their growth will be. This is what their EBITDA margins will be. And this is what a cash flow will look like. Um, would you recommend this deal and would you not? 
Um, and it goes back to what I was saying about what are they looking for? They're looking for people who are able to give recommendations based on the information that's been given to them. Um, so, so that's the next one. And then the final one I'd say on the interview is, is the partner round, uh, which once again is, is, is mainly motivation based and they'll be looking out for what you are as a person. Um, so to summarize, you know, get the content, um, you know, start reading about deals, start getting that sort of flow of information about deals. And then, you know, there are resources online that can, you know, be really helpful in helping you understand private as an industry and also the um, application process that I mentioned. Okay, perfect. And I guess sort of to round up, because honestly, we could have gone on for hours. Obviously, you could talk about LBO. I wanted to ask about sort of like how many deals you do a year with deal making. I guess maybe when I add a little blurb, we can add a bit of information on that as well. But I guess sort of like to focus on you to sort of end this off is that sort of what sort of your long-term goals within this industry and also the industry itself is it an industry that unlike obviously with banking it's sort of like can be cut through you do like three four years and then bank and you move on but how does it, how does this industry work in terms of like um, retention rate and then you personally what are your long-term goals yeah definitely i'll start off with the industry itself poverty is definitely a long-term industry I think people, you know, careers in, in banking, big four, consulting are all really, really great careers. And, you know, people have, um, you know, long term career paths within those fields. For you to make that active jump to go to private equity, it means you're really interested in investing. You're really interested in businesses. Um, and, and if you make that, you know, jump, you will get tested on it in the, pro, in the interview process. I.e., They'll see if this is actually something you want to do, because when you go into private equity, it's an industry that you probably stay in for, for the rest of your career, or maybe you kind of go from private equity into working actually in an operating business, um, which some of these big firms do, they allow you to do a secondment in, in an operating company. Um, but I definitely think because of the nature of the industry, it's long-term, you invest in a company um, with a time holding period and time holding horizon of maybe five to seven years. Typically you hold an investment for five to seven years. Um, you know, once you invest in the business, you're the deal team, that's your portfolio company. So you will typically follow it over the life. Um, and, and if I think purely from a financial incentive standpoint, um, what private equity firms do is they basically collect money from institutions such as um, high net worth individuals, pension funds, insurance companies, and they invest their money for them. That's mainly where they get their capital for. Um, they charge fees of 2%. 2% is on their assets under management. Um, and 20% is on their performance. So if they sell a company for five times their money, then they get 20% of that. Right? Um, so you get this thing sort of called carry, which is basically on the performance of that business, that money that you've made, and that 20% that you've made on your performance, then gets put in the pot, which then gets spread around the people in the private firm. So purely from a financial perspective, if you make a good investment, then you will see it through. Um, but as I said, it's a long-term nature business so people that typically go into it are people that will really build a career there and i think the good thing about private equity is that it's just interesting you just see loads of different businesses you invest in them and then you get to see how it plays out over time and whether you made a good investment or not and i think people and it's not like working in a single company where you stay there and it maybe might get a bit boring or your kind of goals might change you get exposure to loads of different companies you get to see how all of them grow at a period of time so i think it keeps it fresh, it keeps it interesting, and the holding period just means people typically tend to see, see how it goes. In, in terms of what I want to do, um, I think it's one of those industries where time um, really makes you a seasoned investor. You know, you need to see ups, you need to see downs, you need to see tricky situations, complex deals, and I think after you've done that, you would have built a very strong base, especially given my background in investment banking, I had that analytical base, and it's that deal making on top of it that I'd be learning, um, 
your responsibilities change over time. So as I said, as you move from becoming junior, you're doing less of the sort of hard um, into the details analytical work and you start doing more relationship management. You start looking for deals. You become a deal maker. You become an originator, as people call, call it. So I definitely think there are a lot of skills that I can extract from this industry and I see myself doing it long term. Um, and then in terms of, you know, long term, I think the good thing is, is with ProBecty, your opportunities are open and they're almost endless because you are a finance guy. You understand financials, you understand businesses, but you're also a business guy. You understand how business works. You work closely with management teams. You support the management team. Um, you do that. And, and you're also, you're kind of, I, I, I wouldn't call it a consultant, but you also provide support to those management teams. So you have to be able to see trends. And I think that um, lends itself to, you know, opportunities down the line where you can go into industry or, or, you, could, or you could stay there. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I'm, I'm still not sure yet, but I'm definitely building up the skills that I think will hopefully make me a, a seasoned professional in private I hope it goes well. I feel like we need more people like you in that industry, sort of like leading the way, opening the industry, demystifying it, also showing how inclusive industry can become. So I'm quite happy with what you're doing and hopefully it goes really well for you. And I guess you also sort of like this, just to wrap it up, kind of explain the industry for you. Like, this is why I sort of like really enjoy like really learning about private equity and sort of like understanding it is that you're sort of like a jack of all trades, but to a high level. And like you mentioned, you need that consultancy part to sort of like, help business grow after investing it. You need the financial side of it, which is the unfinancial base and fundamentals. And is it a good deal, yeah. And I thought that's probably, when I look at a private equity person, I probably think the most boring individual in like the finance city or in the city in general, in that you have the different skills from different industries all in one person. And that, yeah. for me, makes the industry just so exciting. And hopefully, with this podcast, help people understand that it's, it is an attractive industry. It's fun, it's diverse, it's interesting, and we can, can actually get into it. So I guess on that note, that's like, thank you so much for coming on. And I really appreciate it. Well, no, thank you for having me. And maybe we'll see you in the, uh, in the industry. <laughs> Hopefully soon. Yeah. And one last thing I'd say just, just to round out as well. So then there's private equity, as I mentioned, is, is quite a broad industry. And I think, you know, depending on the different levels you go into, it's, you know, there's various different ways you can go in. So as I said, there's buyout, then there's growth equity, which is a little bit more early stage for companies that are trying to boost themselves to the next level of growth. Um, which is what I mainly focus on, which is boosting them to the next stage. So you typically do less equity investment and you become a minority shareholder. Um, and then they go down all the way down to the spectrum and there's venture capital, um, which I'm sure you'll have a, have, a, have a podcast on someone in there soon, but it's um, you know, within the same um, sort of sphere. And I think, as you mentioned, it's a, it's a very interesting industry across the spectrum. Um, and I'd love to see more people getting into it. And it's great to be able to uh, demystify it and uh, at least do my part to help demystify it. Thank you. Yeah, I thought maybe even long-term, might get you back for part two. Again, you touched on like the different types of um, early stage investing there is, and I guess like we could have gone on for another hour. I said talking about this. Oh, exactly, and there's so much to talk about. So I'd be more than happy. There's so much to talk about. What makes a good deal? Um, what makes a bad deal? Um, you know, and the the different pockets of investments that you can do. So definitely, I'd be happy to. Perfect. Well, thank you, Toby. Have a lovely day, and again, thank you for coming on. Amazing. Thank you for having me. Cheers for me. <laughs>